Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. A warm welcome to you all today. Thank you for joining me as we spend a few moments today reflecting on God's Word. I'm Pastor Steve Sweats and look forward to spending the, this month looking at John chapter 11. In John chapter 11, we have this greatest of miracles that Jesus accomplished by raising Lazarus from the dead. And so this week, we're just going to look at the first part of this. And so I'm going to read from John chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? We're going to continue down to verse 14. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. There ends a reading of God's word. Dear friends, the matter of fact is that humans need each other. God created us this way. When a family member dies, whether it was tragic or not a tragic death, you want to be with your loved ones. You want to mourn in the hour of death with those who love you and you love them. And this is part of the reason that in this text, it seems so strange what Jesus does. He receives this message that from two of his most beloved friends, Mary and Martha, that their brother is deathly ill. And so what does Jesus do? He delays for two extra days. But Jesus had a purpose for what he did and what he said. His timing was perfectly in accord with God's good plan. And so what we really see in these first verses of John chapter 11 is that our Lord teaches us the nature of love and death. So first we see Jesus' friends. The setting of this passage is this well-known family. And the text says that he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And so word comes to Jesus that Lazarus is ill. But the actual language of the text in verse 3 says, He whom you love is ill. It says that Jesus loved all three of these members of the same family. Not that they loved him, but that he loved them. And that makes all the difference. So first we see Lazarus in this family. We don't know much about Lazarus. In fact, none of the Gospels record him saying anything. But what we do know about him is that this dear friend of Jesus, whom Jesus will go and gather with the family, he will weep. Over Lazarus' death, he would be raised from the dead. And so Lazarus thereafter would be a walking testimony, a picture, a trophy of God's grace. In fact, this was such an important event that afterwards the religious leaders conspired not merely to kill Jesus, but also to kill Lazarus. He was a living witness of the work of Jesus Christ. 
Next, we come to Lazarus' sister, Martha. And there's this passage in Luke chapter 10, 38 to 42, where we see Jesus and the disciples once again at this family's house. And Martha's busy with the preparations, with the meal planning, with the serving. And there's Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. And Martha's frustrated. And she says, Jesus, tell my sister to help me. Martha was busy. And even though she was doing something good by serving, Mary had chosen the better thing. And so what we see with Mary is that she is contemplative. We oftentimes see her sitting at the feet of Jesus, calling him rabbi. That's what she was doing when Martha was busy in Luke chapter 10. When Jesus comes to Bethany after Lazarus dies, Mary runs and falls at the feet of Jesus. Later at the banquet in John chapter 12, Mary gets down and anoints the feet of Jesus, wiping them with her hair. And our passage references that as well. So here's these three, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, this family that's beloved by our Lord. And yet word comes to Jesus that something tragic has taken place. And so what is Jesus going to do? He waits, surprisingly. And he connects this purpose of waiting with glory. In verse 4, it says, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. He connects God's glory and the Son's glory together. And now we know that Jesus has already revealed a number of times that he is the Messiah. He has gone through now six I Am statements of Christ, the six being in this chapter. But his purpose was to bring glory to God. And yet there's a shift taking place. That through Jesus' life as he came to do the Father's will, Jesus also is receiving glory. A couple chapters later in John 17 verse 1, in this high priestly prayer of Jesus, prays, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Now more clearly than ever, we see this interconnection of the glory of the Father in the Son and through the Son. After all, it's the Son who would be glorified in the triumphal entry. It would be the Son who would be raised from the dead. It's the Son who will judge the nations. It is the Son who is worthy. In this great miracle of John 11, the Son might receive the glory. It is the Son who we will stand upon on that glorious day where Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead. There's no neutrality with the Son of God. You're either for him or against him. You either love him or reject him. The Son loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and they loved Jesus as well. This is when Lazarus was gravely ill, they sent word to Jesus. And this can teach us something about our own prayers. I think we learned something about the who of prayer. They sent their message to Jesus. He's the one with the power. Who else has the words of life? Who else is the good shepherd of the sheep? Who else would you turn to? A false god? True prayer must be made through the true mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. We notice also the grounds of this prayer. Verse 5 says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. This request was not merely based on their affection for Jesus, but his affection and love for them. And so they call out to Jesus because of Jesus' love. And notice what they ask Jesus to do. Nothing. They don't request him to come there, even though that might be implied by them sending the message. But they bring this dire situation before Jesus and they leave it with him. Mary and Martha realized that even after Lazarus was dead, 
that Jesus had the power over life and death. Why didn't they ask Jesus exactly what they wanted to take place? Likely it's because Jesus knew better than they did. And don't we find ourselves in that place often? I need to call out to God, plead with Jesus Christ, but not yet knowing fully what we actually want. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And so the next question of our text is, why did Jesus wait? I mean, it seems like a pretty serious situation. Imagine if you, you got a phone call while you were at work and your wife has been taken to the hospital or your, your wife is in premature labor. Any husband would quickly leave work, rush to the hospital, meet his wife there, and, and then care for her as much as he can. And yet, Jesus doesn't go right away. And the reason why is because he was compelled by love. Jesus is using the situation to teach the disciples and those he loved about his timing, his perspective, and his love. This is Jesus' very purpose. Jesus told them plainly, verse 14, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there. How often doesn't God teach us the same truth through prayer? We call out to God and he delays. Think about Joseph. If you know the story of Joseph, Joseph was sold as a slave into Egypt. Then he rose to prominence and then he was thrown into prison. And he meets a baker and a butler. And God orchestrates things that they come to Joseph and he interprets their dreams. And he says to them, remember me when you're restored. As he talks to the baker and cupbearer. What would it have been like for Joseph to wait two more years after that? in prison, calling out to God. And what did he conclude? What did he tell his brothers later? You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Dear friends, Jesus teaches us his perspective. It was love that compelled him to wait. And in this we see something of the heart of the Savior. He had a different perspective on love and time and death. And the first part of this is giving his perspective on death. The disciples had heard Jesus speak many times about eternal life. And here in our passage, Jesus uses a term for death, which is often used in the, in the Bible. But it's only used in the Bible to describe the death of believers. He uses the word asleep. They are asleep in Jesus. There's often no clearer place to see the difference between faith and unbelief than at the point of death. Now, why would Jesus say Lazarus is asleep when in fact he is dead? The disciples were confused about this as well. Well, what do you know about people who are asleep? You know that they will wake up. This passage is leading up to the glorious statement of Jesus Christ that he is the resurrection and the life. Lazarus is asleep in Jesus. Dear friends, I think what we need to take away from this is that we need to see that death is a new beginning. This is why a Christian funeral, though sad and mournful, is full of hope and joy. And this is why... Grieving loved ones can stand around a grave if they have the hope of Jesus Christ, if they love God, that a body sown in weakness will be raised in power, sown in a natural body, raised a spiritual body. 1 Corinthians 15. What this means for us is that God has a time, purpose, and he teaches about love, that we might come to him. He teaches about death, that it's an entrance to eternal life. And what we see our Savior do here as he shows his love he has for his own. And how do you become one of Jesus' people, one of the shepherd's sheep? By faith. You turn from your sin and you trust in the Savior and you become one with Jesus Christ. Your life then is redeemed and your understanding of everything changes. 
Um, So, dear friends, I invite you to trust in the Lord and to flee to the Savior, Jesus Christ, who through his death forgives us of our sins and through his life gives us everlasting life. Thank you for joining me today, and may God richly bless you.